Here's our October 26, 2021 edition of Spy Movie News with the latest updates on James Bond and No Time to Die, Red Notice, The Kingsman, and more. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri of SpyMovieNavigator.com with another special edition of Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. Let's get to it. Okay, remember, all the links to the articles or reports that we mention here will be posted in the summary article on our website under Keep Current slash Articles at SpyMovieNavigator.com. So check it out. All right, James Bond, no time to die. Wow, as one might expect, there has been a lot of news about no time to die. Most of the news falls into two main categories. How is the movie doing at the box office and explanations of the plot twists. There's a third Bond category that has ramped up considerably since No Time to Die's release, of course, and that's the speculation as to who will be the next James Bond. We'll talk about all of these here right now. Note, the plot twist news contains spoilers, so we will put these topics at the end of this newscast. So, if you don't want to hear that stuff, we'll tell you, we'll give you a fair warning towards the end. How's No Time to Die doing at the box office? Well, pretty well, especially given the pandemic. According to Deadline.com, No Time to Die has crossed $525 million in worldwide box office numbers, with $400 million of that coming from overseas, making it the second Hollywood movie to hit $500 million this year, and really since 2019. This brings it to the number two spot for global box office this year. The other was this year's F9 The Fast Saga, which has taken in over $716 million worldwide since its June release. We've talked about the impact of the non-U.S. market on James Bond movies and the lead it has internationally over other spy movie franchises like Mission Impossible and The Bourne series. That trend seems to be holding with No Time to Die. We have to also remember that this movie is finally having its release in China this week and Australia on November 11th, so there is still some upside to these numbers. In the UK and Germany, No Time to Die is running in line with Spectre and Skyfall at the same point of release. In the UK, No Time to Die has become Universal's biggest movie of all time, overtaking 2008's Mamma Mia, which happened to star former James Bond actor Pierce Brosnan, An article in InsideTheMagic.net tells us that in Hong Kong, Ukraine, Argentina, Paraguay, and Egypt, No Time to Die has become the highest grossing Bond movie of all time. We also want to point out that Dune, which, like No Time to Die, has had a rolling worldwide release schedule, just claimed the IMAX biggest global October opening, taking in about 20% of the worldwide Dune total for the weekend. This was the opening U.S. weekend for Dune. With No Time to Die's theater experience and rollout on IMAX, these big-budget, highly-visual movies seem to have found a great partner with IMAX to enhance the cinema-goers' experience. It seems to be working. So, given the pandemic, it looks like the decision to keep No Time to Die as a theater-only cinema release was a wise one for Eon, Universal, and MGM. Of course, will Eon, MGM, and Universal make any money on the movie? Their break-even numbers that are reported are all over the map, from $600 million to $900 million. In general, the rule is the movie needs to make double its production costs at the box office to make money. So, estimated production costs for No Time to Die are somewhere between $250 million and a bit over $300 million. So, let's just say they need $600 million. So, at $525 million already, it's looking good. 
Plus, bond movies are notorious for making lots of money on product placement, licensing agreements, and so on. So more money will come in. All right, who will be the next James Bond or James Bond villain? (laughs) For a while now, there have been numerous articles speculating about who will take over the reins of James Bond. It's fun speculation, as Ian doesn't even know the answer to this question, as Barbara Broccoli has been quoted as saying that the studio won't even start looking for the next James Bond actor until 2022. Wow. Well, (laughs) we're pretty sure they have some ideas already, though. (laughs) That doesn't stop us from having some fun by looking at some of the most recent speculations. Let's start with the quote from Daniel Craig, giving advice to the next James Bond actor, taken from Kevin Hart's Straight From The Heart podcast. Quote, There's a couple of things I'd say, but I mean, one is, don't be shit. I would say you've got to grab it and make it your own. I think that's the way to go forward. I mean, I just committed myself to it as much as I possibly could, and I tried to sort of elevate it as much as I could. I hope I've left it in a good place, and I hope the next person can just make it fly. It's an amazing franchise. I still think there's a lot of stories to tell. Esquire has published what they call an in-depth analysis for the next Bond, called Suggested Actors for the Next James Bond Esquire's List. We'll give you their list as well as add their age and height. We at SpyMovieNavigator.com feel that age will be an important factor in Eon's choice due to the amount of time between Bond movies. They need someone young enough who can do multiple movies, thus multiple years. We'll also add the actor's height to the equation. Daniel Craig at 5'10 was the first sub six foot one actor to play Bond. So will this have an impact on the decision? All right, check out their article for their reasons why each person is on their list. All right, here's some. 34 year old Lashana Lynch, who's five foot nine and would be the first female Bond if selected. Dev Patel, who's 31 and 6'2", exactly what Sean Connery was when he took on the role. 42-year-old Luke Evans is 6' tall. Reggae Jean Page, who is also 31, is 5'11". 25-year-old Tom Holland stands at 5'8". Tom Hardy, who is at the top of most lists, is 44 and is 5'9". 35-year-old Robert Pattinson is 6'1". James Norton is 36 and 6'1". 41-year-old Sam Hewen is 6'2". Jack Loudon is 31 and 6'1". 35-year-old Richard Madden stands 5'10". Riz Ahmed is 39 and 5'8". 32-year-old Daniel Kaluuya is 5'9". He won the 2021 Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role along with BAFTA, Golden Globe, and other awards for Judas and the Black Messiah. Six-foot-tall Michael Fassbender is 44. Henry Cavill is 38 and 6 foot 1 and finally 5 foot 9 John Boyega is 29 years old. All right. Whew, that's quite a list. Ben Wishaw has two choices for the next bond. To take a different spin, we'll look at an article from cinemablend.com. Ben Wishaw, the current Q in the Daniel Craig movies would like to see a gay James Bond. He's suggesting a Bridgerton actor, and not the one everyone is talking about for the role. Instead of Reggae Jean Page, Wishaw suggests 5'11", 33-year-old actor Jonathan Bailey, who plays Anthony in Bridgerton. His other choice would be Luke Evans, who was also mentioned in the Esquire article. Wishaw's comments come with the following quote, which talks about what's required 
in taking on the James Bond role. Quote, they're both actors who it seems would be really capable of doing it and would be ideal casting. And it would be thrilling to see either of them do it. I wonder if either of them would want to, because it's not just the demands of the role. It's like the demands of being Bond in the world and what it symbolizes and how it would change your life, unquote. All right, what about the villain? <laughs> Here are some suggested actors for the next James Bond villain. On the villain front, two names have popped up, and here they are. Lady Gaga. Yeah. Mike Reyes, who we've had on our podcast show, suggests that Lady Gaga should play the next James Bond villain. He bases this suggestion in part based on the trailer for the upcoming House of Gucci, which has had its trailer playing in the previews in the cinema before the start of No Time to Die. Reyes posits that Gaga has shown her acting credentials with A Star is Born. Music videos and her role in American Horror Story Hotel show her villainous capabilities, not to mention the House of Gucci trailer. He goes on to talk about how the villain used to be where people focused their attention in James Bond movies, even more so than Bond himself. Think of Goldfinger, From Russia with Love, Dr. No, Live and Let Die, and other Bond movies for examples of this. Lady Gaga would likely fit right into this mold. Reyes even speculates that Lady Gaga landing the role would help ensure that she would get the theme tune to the movie. He points out that the upcoming spy movie, Argyle, has Dua Lipa both playing a role in the movie and providing the score. Our opinion? <laughs> Let's just hope that if Lady Gaga gets the villain role and the title tune, that we don't get a repeat of the last recording artist to do the music and have a role in a Bond movie, namely Madonna in Die Another Day. Uh, that didn't work out too well. Henry Cavill. John Fuge has an interesting article discussing Henry Cavill's fit in the upcoming James Bond movies. Besides the obvious Cavill as Bond speculation, there's also speculation that he would be a great villain for Bond to deal with. This all comes about after this quote from Cavill when asked if he'd play a Bond villain. Quote, If Barbara and Michael interested me in any capacity to be part of their movies, then I will gladly have that discussion and that would be something I'd be very keen to explore further." Unquote. Now, one problem with Cavill as the villain can best be expressed by a tweet from that article that says, quote, I think the next James Bond should be Tom Cruise and M is now played by Alex Baldwin and Q is played by Simon Pegg and the villain could be played by Henry Cavill. Um, didn't we just see that in Mission Impossible Fallout? That could cause Eon to nix this idea. <laughs> All right, industry news. Let's move on to some industry news and start with the upcoming Netflix release of Red Notice. Netflix will finally be releasing Red Notice on its streaming platform on November 12th. Because it is released only on the streaming platform, there won't be multiple release dates as No Time to Die had. To help build the hype, Netflix has released its latest trailer for the movie. This three-minute trailer gives us more background on the movie. Let's just hope it doesn't give away too much. The trailer starts out with Ryan Reynolds playing Noah Booth, who is an art thief. He gets confronted by special agent John Hartley, FBI, played by Dwayne Johnson, who calls Booth the second most wanted art thief in the world. Obviously, there's a play to get the first most wanted art thief in the world. The trailer shows lots of action, some comedy, and a bit about the plot. You can check out the trailer either on Netflix or on YouTube. Just search Red Notice Trailer. Scarlett Johansson settles 
with Disney. We've been talking about Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit against Disney. She sued Disney for breach of contract because Disney released Black Widow on streaming and the cinemas on the same date. She claimed this cost her income. It is really no surprise, but Disney had ended up settling the lawsuit, although details have not been released. With the practice of day and date gaining traction with content owned by streaming platforms, we don't think Disney could have allowed this suit to reach a litigated outcome. The exposure to them would have been too high, probably. According to an article on DigitalSpy.com, Johansson says, quote, I am happy to have resolved our differences with Disney. I'm incredibly proud of the work we've done together over the years and have greatly enjoyed my creative relationship with the team. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in years to come, she said, unquote. Disney Studios chairman had a similar quote. We assume future contracts with talent will spell out impact of different distribution channels on pay going forward. Wife of a Spy, a movie we mentioned back in our September 2020 spy movie news, won the top prize at the Asian Film Awards. An article on Variety.com tells us that Wife of a Spy took home the awards for Best Film, Best Actress, and Best Costume Design. The only place we found this movie available for streaming is at ClevelandArtsEvents.com for $12. It's available there through November 4th. That same article in Variety says that the movie Cliff Walkers, for which we did a quick fire review in May 2021, took home best editing at these awards. We haven't seen the winner for cinematography, The Wasteland, but we were surprised that Cliff Walkers didn't win that award as well. Daniel Brühl. Daniel Brühl discusses his upcoming role in the movie The Kingsman. This is the prequel to the Kingsman series. Daniel plays a stage clairvoyant in the movie. Our favorite quote from the article has Brule saying about his role, It's not big, but I saw the potential for it to reappear later on, hopefully. That's the first thing you check. Will they kill me? When will they kill me? How am I going to die? <laughs> Unquote. Given that there are many more of the Kingsman movies planned, this is probably a very important question for an actor to ask. The Kingsman releases on December 22nd in the U.S., the U.K., and many other countries. Section 8. Another movie that has announced casting is Section 8. According to HollywoodReporter.com, Dolph Lundgren, Scott Adkins, and Ryan Quantin have signed on to this movie. Section 8 follows a former soldier who is sprung from prison and recruited by a shadowy government agency. In memoriam, October was a tough month. Leslie Brickus. We are sad to announce the passing of Leslie Brickus in the spy movie world. He wrote the lyrics for Goldfinger with Anthony Newley, the title song You Only Live Twice, and Your Zowie Face from In Like Flint. Leslie was a nine-time Oscar nominee, winning twice. He also had multiple Grammy nominations, winning one. All of that said, he is also known for his extensive work with stage and movie musicals. Leslie turned 90 this past January. Jerry Giro. We are also saddened to announce the passing of a man who many in the U.S. wouldn't know by name, but had a large role in the James Bond world. Jerry Giroux passed at age 98. He worked for Eon in Europe on publicity campaigns, starting with Dr. No and continuing for 14 James Bond movies. His memoir, Bond, The Beatles, and My Year with Marilyn, was published in 2018. James Higgins, Eon executive and the U.K. distributor for Indiana Jones and Top Gun, has died at 98. Higgins spent over 30 years in Eon, the James Bond production company. In a 2012 interview, he said he heard about the end of cinema numerous times over the course of his career, but suggested it was unlikely. Quote, it always remains that people enjoy seeing a film 
in the company of an audience and the reaction that you get from the audience, Higgins said. Quote, it's a different sensation from just watching it on the television. That's what keeps it going, and people want to go out. Unquote. How true his words are today. Bob Heron. Stuntman Bob Heron has died at the age of 97. In his prolific 60-year stunt career, Heron was involved with numerous TV shows, including I Spy, The Man from UNCLE, Mission Impossible, and Charlie's Angels, as well as on movies such as Diamonds Are Forever and In Like Flint. John Aston Thomas. British composer, arranger, and conductor John Ashton Thomas has passed at the age of 60. He worked on more than 160 movies, including The Bourne Supremacy, The Bourne Legacy, and the upcoming Operation Mincemeat. Jean Hale. Actress Jean Hale passed away at age 82. Her career primarily was with roles on TV. Spy movie fans may remember her from her role as Lisa in In Like Flint. All right, James Bond. We're going to talk about some of the things in James Bond. It might be a spoiler here. So this is uh, what we said in the beginning. All right, we're going to close out our newscast, bringing things back to No Time to Die. At the top of this episode, we talked about box office and future actors. Now we'll move to topics about the plot. Some of the articles we will reference contain spoilers, which is why we've moved this to the end of the podcast. Stop listening now. If you haven't seen the movie, you've been warned. Five, four, Three, two, one, zero. Here we go. Key plot points with Madeline Swan and Rami Malek explained. Mike Reyes has two articles on cinemablend.com which discuss specific plot points. The first is an article which explains Project Heracles, Safin's evil plot. Safin compares himself as a reflection of James Bond. Both were orphaned. Both are in love with Madeline Swan and both will do whatever it takes to win. Project Heracles is a weapon developed to use people's DNA to control who lives and who dies. Safin controls it. Reyes' article goes into depth about the weapon, including its possible past in the movie Casino Royale 2006. In order to leave most of the spoilers to the article and out of this newscast, let's just say that this weapon is not used for the reason it was created and is responsible for the outcome of the movie. Mike's other article about Madeline Swan's big secret looks at how her past helped doom James Bond. Now, there were plenty of rumors about this, but Swan bore James Bond's child, who he first learns about in No Time to Die. The child, her past with Safin, and current conversations with Blofeld have also been kept from Bond. Although she is under Safin's thumb and has been the only one Blofeld would talk to, it turns out that she wasn't an active member of Spectre after all. Bond's devotion to keeping Madeline and the daughter, Mathilde, alive ends up being fatal. The article goes into much more depth on the implications of her secret. All right, were additional endings filmed? Sometimes they do this. With the big ending of No Time to Die, it's a natural ask if there were other endings filmed. Sometimes the studio will do this to keep the ending from getting out. And sometimes the actors don't even know which ending they shot and which will make the final cut. I think they did that in Casablanca. Well, with No Time to Die, that wasn't the case. According to an article on DigitalSpy.com, the movie's editor Tom Cross says that the ending we saw was the only one filmed, and this was the only ending planned for the movie. He says it was never in doubt, and there were no alternatives, unquote. This makes us question what the problem was with the director Danny Boyle. The rumors at the time about Boyle is that, well, he wanted to kill off Bond. Was his firing just a big smoke screen? <laughs> uh, 
The article also discusses the movie's length and how the pre-title sequence may have been influenced by the length. Well, there are a lot more articles and interviews out there on No Time to Die, but we think these give you a good look as to what's happening. All right, that wraps up our spy movie news for October 26th, 2021. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Subscribe right now to our Cracking the Code of Spy Movies show on your favorite podcast app. And tell a friend about us. Thanks, we appreciate it.